indeed there are more questions than answers like how do you text someone to tell them a relative has died if your name is lol may he rest in peace lol (laughs) hi america hello world my name is adrian lee and i am your host welcome to the show more questions than answers the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests. Somewhere in the snowy, barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains. That was a shock this week, wasn't it? Snow. Outrageous. Gross. With the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting or for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panda of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace this week's darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Investigations and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather was told to stop eating wheat by the doctor when she was little, as she was nearly run over by a combine. Welcome to the show, Heather. (laughs) What are you suggesting? No, she really does have a wheat allergy. She can't get to nine and ten when she's counting in French. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Whose stomach was that? We've got a ghost in here. Who was that? Come on, I want names. That was like the undead bubbling up. I swear, this this sounded like an exorcism. That's atrocious. I know this is the Halloween special. Who's brought demonic entities into the room? Who's had a taco bell? Pea soup. Pea soup. Where's the holy water? It's going to be a long 
wrong show, but this is a Halloween special. Does anyone want to claim that? Nope. Nope. <laughs> that kind of ruined the joke somewhat. That you can't. You have a wheat allergy, but yeah. you can't get to nine and ten when you're speaking French. Okay, I'll leave that there. <laughs> if anyone knows what that joke actually means, do write in to mqta at rocketmail.com, but it is very funny. We also have with us eight in French is wheat. Okay, we also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim recently passed an exam to be a cheerleader. She went in and said, give me an A. And they did. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hello. (laughs) I love this show. I love it. Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He's married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He's also our sound engineer and producer. Greg lost his job as a baseball commentator this week by saying live on air, I don't want to bore you with the details. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Greg. God, I can't stand baseball. I'll watch any other sport. I, I just a lot of men spitting, chewing gum, and touching their twig and berries. Isn't I'd it, rather really? see that than golf. That is a good walk spoil. That is true. But, you know, I, I, again, pajamas, strange men running around, very odd, very bizarre. <laughs> this is serious. That's your bedroom. That's just my bedroom. <laughs> Gotta have a lot of fun. <laughs> Series two, episode thirty-four. It's a Halloween special, and we've already started out with an exorcism. <laughs> Someone slayed a demon back there, didn't they, in the corner of the room while I wasn't looking? <laughs> thirty-four is the international dialing code for Spain. If you wish to call Spain, if you wish to call Madrid, Barcelona. How many Spaniards does it take to change a light bulb? Just one. Oh, God. (laughs) Kim liked it. The number 34 has been retired by the Minnesota Twins for Kirby Puckett, a word regularly shouted in my house when I tread on a Lego brick. (laughs) 34 is the atomic number of selenium, one of the key ingredients of glass making. I used to have a friend with a glass eye, but I didn't know that. It just came out in conversation. He thought, Lord, you're on a roll. (laughs) It's a Halloween special. He (laughs) thought it would be funny if he swallowed his glass eye a day before he was due to have a proctology exam. And then as the doctor, as the (laughs) doctor, no, it's his true story. As the doctor went in, he said to my friend, you really are going to have to trust me. (laughs) Just keeping an eye on things, I guess. I want to give a shout out. I'll just throw my paperwork. He can be seen coming and going, huh? Oh, no. <laughs> Heather starts on minus one. What? That was great. I want to give a shout out. I really enjoy reading all of our emails, all of our Facebook messages, all of our tweets. And uh, there was a gentleman. I want to uh, give him a shout out. His name's Aaron. He's written today on Facebook. He said, I've picked up the show on iTunes. You guys have been making my commute this month such a joy ever since I recently discovered your show. Apparently, he says, your personalities are infectious. Like a zombie, I'm guessing. So we're a disease. Yes. I didn't even know you had a personality. Who knew? This is 
uh, Halloween. Don't give me your grandmother's finger and the bottom lip. This is the Halloween special I've put I'll together. I'll give you my grandmother's bottom lip. <laughs> Great. I'll get a spade and dig her up. This is our Halloween special. Halloweenus. Halloweenus. I've put together a list of facts for Halloween, things I didn't know. There are points to be had, as we know. Great. Heather's on minus one before we've even started. Did you know? Have a guess. The first fact, jack-o'-lanterns. What were they originally made out of? Turnips. Excellent. Heather has redeemed herself and she's back on a duck egg. Trick-or-treating evolved from the ancient Celtic tradition of putting out treats and food to placate spirits who roam the streets, apparently. That's yes. how that came about. No, it's no good saying yes and getting points after I've read it out. <laughs> Harry Houdini strangely died on Halloween. Yes. 1926 yes you're not going to get any points he was punched in the stomach unfortunately by some fans it was a trick he did on stage but he wasn't prepared and uh, it gave him appendicitis and he died i did have a fascinating fact about houdini no it's gone (laughs) (laughs) he was an escapologist of course and a magician boston massachusetts holds the world record for the most jack-o'-lanterns lit at any one time I'm going to go around the room. It's in thousands. Whoever gets the closest gets a point. Heather. 35,000. Kim. 6,300. Greg. 100,000. 100,000. It's Heather. She's on a roll. It's 30,128 from a position of minus one. She has now sprinted into a very early lead. There is a $1,000 fine or six months in jail for using silly string in Hollywood on Halloween night. Why? Well, why? It makes you think at some point in the past, things have happened in Hollywood with with silly string where things have got out of hand. I think vendors were selling them one year and everyone bought cans and the place just got covered. And I think it's the chemicals, the clearing up, like after a ticker tape parade. It's very flammable. It is very flammable. You're absolutely right. You see videos, don't you, on America's <laughs> funniest old videos. videos where grandma's suddenly gone up in a ball of human combustion and they're throwing blankets and clothes over her. Because she hasn't blown out her birthday candle. That's right. And, uh, you her, get, te- her teeth came out. Her teeth came out. She gets $200 for the privilege of third, third degree burns all over yeah, her body. Right. This is true. Do you know you have a fear as a parent that if your kids go out, they're going to pick up apples with razor blades in and candy laced with poison? Mm-hmm. That has only ever happened twice in the history of America. It's an unfounded fear. Does that make sense? It's only happened twice in the history of America. Poison candy, once in 1970 and once in 1974. And it was both by accident and it was family members. Someone got hold of granddad's candy and he'd laced it with heroin, apparently. Granddad? Yes, this is what I... Laced his candy? Yes. With heroin? Yes, for his own personal use. And then little Tommy comes along, and it's the quietest he's ever been, apparently. He did all his work at school, got the best grades, and had a really quiet week. Who knew? (laughs) But that's the truth. You know, you have this fear, don't you? But your fears more than likely are unfounded. But I found that a remarkable result. Full moons on Halloween. You always imagine Halloween with a full moon, don't you? Sure. You've seen the film. You've heard the dogs barking. You've seen Jason walking across the lake with the machete. Full moons on Halloween. The next one is 2020, if you want to put that in your diary. The last two was 2001, and before that it was 1955. So there's only been two in the last 60 years. Wow. Full moons on Halloween. So you better make the most of 2020, because the next one may not be along for a very, 
very long time. Finally, Halloween facts. Halloween is the second most commercial American holiday of the year, after Christmas, of course. $2 billion are annually spent just on candy alone. $2 billion. $6 billion by all Americans spending costumes, decorations, the full works. Who knew? If people are interested, I have a book out. It's called Mysterious Minnesota, Digging Up the Ghostly Past at 13 Haunted Sites. If you want a nice Halloween read, it's full of history, spooky evidence, ghosts, the story of my adventure across the Midwest. It's available on Amazon and in Barnes & Noble and all other good e-sites. What would you call that? Commercial sites on the internet, bookshops. E-shops. E-shops, that's the word. I'm looking for. Now, we're going on an investigation tonight. As soon as we finish the show, we're going to run off. And we're at the St. James Hotel in Red Wing, Minnesota, just on the border there. There's a river, isn't there, that separates Wisconsin from Minnesota. Yes. We've done this event many, many times. The last time we was there, of course, was in March. But I investigated the St. James Hotel seven or eight years ago now. And we've been back every year to do events. It's a fabulous time. We have lectures, ghost hunts, talks tarot reading equipment everything it's fun we turn up like aerosmith on tour trucks full of equipment people turn up year after year we're bringing a big ghost this year we are we managed to find you like the halloween sales don't you i love them i find it remarkable that two weeks before halloween's even happened all the shops have so have cleared all their shelves of halloween stuff whether absolutely it's, whether it's shopco menards any of the others all the stuff's gone michael's hobby lobby the stuff's gone mm-hmm. two weeks before halloween's even happened you have to be really well prepared in this country as you'll go to the shelves and there'll just be a skull rolling around and a plastic trident and an eyeball and an eyeball if you're lucky if you're lucky there's an eyeball but you did actually get some really fabulous halloween bargain just sat there smiling because no more than 20 minutes ago you went online do you want to tell our listeners what you've bought a seven foot ghost Yes, it's one of those inflatable ones that you put in your backyard. I think they're going to be fabulous for the event. And you're going to take that up to the St. James, yes, aren't I you? Yes, I am. And we can put a T-shirt on it. And... I'm thinking that maybe we should put it in that room and have Scott walk into it. Wink, wink. Yes, we're always looking to scare Scott <laughs> of the St. James. If you make Scott scream... You're in the team! You are indeed <laughs> on the team. Poor man. I'd be a bundle of nerves. I really dislike, I have to say, I absolutely hate Halloween houses. I'm a, I am love them. I'm a paranormal investigator. I was going to say a professional paranormal investigator. People ask me once, what makes you professional? And I say, because I, I make a living from it. That's normally what happens. But yes, I hate Halloween houses. I'm happy to sit in a Victorian building in the basement, knowing that there's been bodies dug out of there, that has been floating headless horsemen run through. That doesn't bother me. I really dislike going through a fake haunted house where there's people jumping out and dressing up. It's the living that scares you. It's the living that scares me. I don't know. I just can't bear. I don't like horror films either. So I spend all my time writing about ghosts, talking about ghosts. I have a radio show on the paranormal. I do lectures on the paranormal. You're a real drag when it comes to the Halloween I just, I just don't like them. I don't like... There's enough out there to worry about that's real. Without me running away from an unemployed drama student dressed up as a zombie with a broken chainsaw. 
I don't see the the attraction. It's fun and it makes me laugh. This doesn't happen in Britain. We really I've mentioned this before. I've spoken about this before, but this is such a great story. I'm going to tell it again. And it's my radio show. But we don't have really Halloween in Britain. We have other festivals around that time. We don't really celebrate it. We've already read that America makes six billion dollars from the Halloween festival. That uh, that's where most of my paycheck goes. That's where yeah. you've, you've accounted for <laughs> half of that, really, to be honest. But ultimately, we don't do it. We don't have Halloween. Trick and treat doesn't happen. You know, we tell our kids all year long, don't take candy from strangers, and there you are knocking on their door. And then they give you like candy corn and stuff. What? <laughs> it's never Nowadays, happened. they don't go knocking on strangers' doors, though. You take them around to your friends and family. Ah. So it's a bit more kind of patrolled, I guess. I'm yes. sending out my son to strangers' houses. I don't care. I want to steal his candy. <laughs> there is a show, Dying to Get Out. Is that Halloween dying. special? It's dying See what to I get did out. there. See what I did. <laughs> We're going to run into the round all limp like a zombie, I guess, with our yes. leg kind of dragging behind us and our eyeball popping out into the round that is Ghosts and Hauntings. And already Heather's taken an early lead on one. Point. I have a story here that says, what a beautiful selfie. Couple claims a cross-dressing ghost photobombed their snap at haunted New Orleans restaurant. One New Orleans restaurant claims to have a ghost haunting its diners, and the owners have a picture to prove it. Two J's, which serves Cajun fare, is the second oldest restaurant in the Louisiana capital. And in the century and a half that it's been open for business, the eatery has thousands upon thousands of customers, but it seems that at least one never wanted to leave. According to author Poppy Tooker, the dining what? establishment, that's a great name, isn't it? Lots of P's and <laughs> lots of O's. Tooker? Her name is Poppy Tooker. I'm not making this up. You're lucky I didn't swear live on air. I'm sorry. Continue. I wonder what her mother's name is. Mother Poppy Tooker. The dining establishment has a cross-dressing ghost that refuses to be forgotten and the defiant spirit even went so far as to photobomb a dining couple in order to get his point across. Two Jage first opened under the name of Begu's Restaurant in 1856. That's been going a long time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 1856. Still got the same wait staff, apparently. In 1914, it was taken over and given the same name. It was shortly after this time that Julian Nettinge, an actor who was famous from 1910s to the 1930s, dined there. Julian was one of the highest paid players on Broadway and had also appeared in several films. What made Julian especially unique was that he was a cross-dresser who also went by the name of Vetsa Tilly. There's some great names, Vetsa, Vetsa Tilly. While dining, Julian gave the proprietor an autographed photo of himself dressed as a woman. The owner hung it on the wall, where it remained from 1917 to 1913. Sorry, to 2013, my apologies. Meaning Julian's legacy was kept alive in the restaurant long after his death in 1941. But in 2013, the current owner, Mark Latter, had renovations done. In the process, he took the photo of Julian down and stored it away in the attic. This is how it normally starts, isn't it? It's always a renovation where they're moving photographs, paintings, Mm -hmm. chairs. Well, Julian, now in his grave for almost 75 years, didn't like that. And according to Poppy, he decided that if he couldn't hang on the wall for patrons to see, he would haunt the joint instead. I wonder if a cross-dressing ghost would put ball bearings in its sheet so when it walked, the sheet would follow it around the room. Do you see what I'm saying? You'd have to think about that, wouldn't it? 
It's wearing a sheet, it's a ghost, has to flow with it. You'd put ball bearings in the lining, wouldn't you? Okay, just me, that's why I do. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? A renovations always stir this kind of thing up. If people want to see a photograph of a cross-dressing ghost that died in the 1940s... I don't believe it. There is a photograph of it. If you go no, to I've our Facebook... No, I've seen the photograph. I don't believe it. You don't it. believe it. Well, let's, let's tell people where the photograph <laughs> is, and they can make up their own mind, and we'll discuss in a minute I what you... I don't believe it. I get that. I understand that. <laughs> If you go to my Facebook site, more questions than answers with Adrian Lee and scroll down all of the stories from the last week, you will find a photograph of the cross-dressing ghost. Go on then, tell me what you don't think is, is, is ghostly or spectral about it. It looks like a little girl and it looks like some sort of an app. I'm going to You think an story. app's been put on there, have you? Yes. Cross-dressing ghosts. It doesn't look like... Otherwise, it would be fabulous. It would indeed be fabulous. So, Greg, ever <laughs> wanted to eat, drink, and be merry? No. Okay. We <laughs> <laughs> just thought we'd ask. <laughs> Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings on our Halloween special? Halloweenus. Halloweenus. The Walking Dead fan allegedly kills friend before he could change into a zombie. So he changes into a zombie after he's killed his friend? No, he, he wanted to stop his friend from turning oh, into a zombie. Oh, he's doing his friend a favour by he's killing him. He's doing his friend him. a favour. That's like cutting yeah. your leg off so you don't have to suffer with corns or an ingrown toenail. That's right. This See, is gonna or ha- shave. Absolutely. <laughs> Who knew? You could steal one shoe from outside the shoe shop and be completely happy for the rest of your life. Yes, yeah, so there's like buy one, get one. Get one, one free. <laughs> I see where we're going. That's how it normally works. Isn't it terrible when you get home from the shops and you look down and you think, God, it had buy one, get one free, and you've got one shoe in your hand. That must uh, have happened to everybody, right? Just you. <laughs> just me. A Walking Dead fan has allegedly beat his friend to death before he could change into a zombie. According to KOB4 News, 23-year-old Damon Perry was drunk and binge-watching the gory AMC hit on Thursday when he believed his friend Christopher Pagan had Christopher begun Pagan. Yes, had begun to join the ranks of the undead. I watched Ooh. that box set back to back. But unfortunately, I was looking at the door and the person with me was watching the television. <laughs> oh, I got you. <laughs> Good time. Perry attacked Pagan with fist, feet, and an electric guitar and a microwave. So wow. he must have really been... That's like some sort of game of show. <laughs> you get to keep whatever you beat your friend with. You've got 30 seconds. Go. Fist. Fist. Feet. Microwave. Electric guitar. Yay, picture. <laughs> Tin of beans, <laughs> microwave, kettle, toaster, cuddly toy, grandmother's wooden leg. He told the police that he thought he was stopping a transformation from human to zombie as well as a zombie apocalypse. Perry also threatened others in his complex with a knife. That seems pretty not as exciting as a microwave. I was thinking he's got a complex. <laughs> well, <laughs> what kind of complex was he in? <laughs> a bad one. <laughs> Uh, before he was subdued and uh, subdued actually by maintenance workers and officers arrived on the scene shortly thereafter, uh, Pagan's dead body was found in the apartment. Perry was being held on the charge of murder. Well, I would hope so. But anyway, nobody turned into a zombie because he stopped it. Well, that, Thank should, be, you. that should be taken into account. He's done us all a favor, isn't he? Big favor. Fantastic. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts? And hauntings. I have a man who was found guilty of attempting to murder a corpse. 
<laughs> kind of been done already. Wow. Did he use a microwave? <laughs> no, he didn't. I got into trouble once when I did an autopsy and they said what was the cause of death and I wrote autopsy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't keep that job for very long. <laughs> a supreme, sup- I can't even Ice talk cream. A supreme, a supreme court jury <laughs> accepted Daniel Darrington's defense that he accidentally shot Rocky Matskaski during a struggle before shooting him again when Mr. Matskaski was already dead. Wow. You've got to make sure the job's well done, haven't you? <laughs> Mr. Rose said when Mr. DeMotor had gone away for the weekend in March 2014, Mr. Matt's Cassie invited a friend, Belinda Martin, Mr. DeMotor's former lover, to the Phillips Street house. That evening, Martin and the deceased drank, played music, and played on a poker machine at the house, and Martin eventually slept over on a recliner in the lounge room whilst the deceased slept in his bedroom. Mr. DeMotor later became angry. Mr. Matskasi had had people over while he was away and decided to evict him. Darrington then confronted Mr. Matskasi and shot him in the head. Police were called and entered the house and found Mr. Matskasi lying dead on the kitchen floor. The body had been wrapped in a black sheet and there was a large amount of blood on the floor and around the body. Darrington later told police he had shot Mr. Matskasi in the head after a struggle in the kitchen. He said he confronted the deceased, telling him to get out of his mate's house. He stated that he had assaulted the deceased by punching and kicking him in the face. Grabbing his electric guitar in the microwave. (laughs) He said he then told the deceased to go and clean himself up in the bathroom. Is it me, or is this just an excuse for mad Americans to murder and kill and violate one another in the name of their all zombies? This doesn't happen at any other time. Only if death rates go up over Halloween. You're all mad over here. And full moons. Well, we already know that a full moon in Halloween isn't likely to happen till 2020. There's going to be carnage on the streets in four years' time. Just full moons. Even in California and I think across the country, they double patrols on full moons in general. Yeah, well, the word lunatic comes from lunar, of course. Yeah. That's madness, I tell you. You're mad over here. Well, Darrington claimed the next time he saw Mr. Matt's Cassie, he was walking towards him holding a gun behind his back before they wrestled, and he grabbed the gun and it accidentally discharged. Oh. Darrington told police he thought Mr. Matt's Cassie was still alive after being shot in the head as his body was twitching. <laughs> yes. Luckily, it wow. missed his brain by four inches. <laughs> Darrington then went to Mr. Matt's Cassie's bedroom and found a small box of ammunition. He reloaded the pistol and went back to where Mr. Matt's Cassie was slouched over in the kitchen, and after a few minutes, he shot him again. Well, at the very least, he's going to get lead poisoning. <sighs> he said he did this because the deceased was suffering. Oh. He's lucky he didn't run it over three or four times. He'd have got off for that. Yeah, that's true enough. <laughs> if you want to murder someone, run them over. The worst you'll get is a suspended sentence and they'll take your license Can away. Have the keys. Oh, oh man. <laughs> the accused said that after he shot the deceased the second time, he covered him up with a sheet because he looked horrible and the accused didn't want to look at him. He looked cold. <laughs> Darrington denied wanting to later dispose of the body. He said that he'd laid plastic out in the boot of the car because he was going to take the deceased to hospital and that he didn't want him to bleed all over the seats or to draw other people's attention. This is fiction. Wow. Where do they refer to the trunk of a car as being a boot? In Britain, that's Mm -hmm. the British term. That's your boot sale, right? But you assumed that this was in the United States. 
I did. Yes. Have we have we got a place where this is? No, we do not. See the ger- Whoa, we're going to have to do some research now. I was criticizing Americans for being mental, and it turns out it could actually be in Britain. Could yeah. be you. We could be. How's that? <laughs> well, I look like I've been shot in the head. Do I am wrapped in a blanket and left well. in the boot of a car? You know why they call it the boot, don't you? Not the trunk. Because back in the days when it was a horse and carriage, there was literally a trunk behind the back of the horse and carriage that you'd put your boots in. So it's called a boot because there was literally boots in the trunk at the back of the horse and carriage. That's how that came about. Gotcha. We don't call it a hood either. We call it a bonnet. I just thought I'd share that with you. Because that's where you put your hats. That's right. That's where your hat goes. See, you're learning. And now we've got a glove box because that's where the gloves are supposed to go. That yes. Nobody actually puts gloves in there. And what about the map compartment? <laughs> Do you this use is a like map? Rosetta Stone, learn English, lesson one. We have your wife. <laughs> I have a story here that says we need to do some research on that, Kim, by the way. I think if you hand that story to Greg and he does a word search, I think I'd like to find. See, you've thrown your story away now and you're going to have to climb around the floor. I'm going to employ Greg and there's points to be one there. See if you can find out, Greg, where that story's from just by typing in his name and having a look at that for me. I have a story here that says ghost of hang pub landlord captured on camera for the first time. A spine tingling image has been caught on camera for the first time, believed to show the ghost of a landlord who committed suicide in one of Britain's most haunted pubs. Staff at the Golden Fleece in York have reported in the past that they have felt tightness around their necks behind the bar where it is believed the landlord once hanged himself. The pub has even been featured on Most Haunted TV. Diner Suzanne Taggart was taking photographs when she visited the pub ahead of doing a paranormal investigation later that evening when she caught the creepy image. Isn't it always the way that when you're talking before you do the investigation or you're just hanging out, you know, you've got a DVR running and you're just taking random photographs. That's of, where we found most of it, it's isn't amazing, it? It's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. The picture shows the clear shape of a man behind the bar of the 500-year-old pub, despite no one being stood there at the time. Suzanne, who is 51 and from Manchester, said, I was just taking a few shots of the scene around us while we had our dinner. I wasn't even thinking of using them for anything. It was just to show where we were going to be investigating later that night. But then later that evening, when my husband Steve was looking through the pictures, he spotted a strange shadow behind the bar. If you wish to see the photograph of the strange shadow figure behind the bar of a 500-year-old pub, you can find this story in the photograph on our Facebook site, More Questions and Answers, with Adrian Lee. It says it was very dark and it clearly is lurking. It's the shape of a big person, as you can see the head and shoulders. But the only person in the shot was the girl behind the bar. And you can see that she's on the left. She confirmed to us that no one else was with her in the bar. There was a kitchen door behind the figure, but it is completely obscured by the shadow. None of us could quite believe it. A few people in the group were shaken up by the photograph and found it very unsettling. Throughout the rest of the evening at the Golden Fleece, cold chills were felt in certain areas of the house, and a child's voice was heard at one point. Suzanne took the pictures over a year ago, but after analysing it and not being able to explain the figure, she eventually forgot about it. Now she is calling on the public to see if anyone can explain it. The interesting thing about this story, as I said, it is available for our um, Facebook followers to look at if they wish to go on there. This lady, Suzanne Tagger, is actually a member of our Facebook site. So when this story was actually written in the Daily Mirror this week, she went on there to say, this is my story. She then went on to say that this photograph was taken eight years ago. 
and the press have picked it up because they're looking for stories for Halloween. And she told the newspaper and she told the journalist that this photograph was taken eight years ago. And yet they've still used it and they lied in the story because they wanted to use it. And she said it was very odd and she's very annoyed. If people want to chat with her and actually see this photograph for themselves, as I said, they can go onto Facebook. She is actually on uh, More Questions Than Answers with Adrian Lee. And you can see the story and you can have a chat with her and see the photo for yourself. Even though it was taken that long ago, this is in the news this week. And she is still looking to see if anyone can explain what the image is. Have you actually seen this image? Did you look at it? I did. What do you think? You're going to say it's an app? Look no, at it's you not grinning. an app. It's very odd. What it looks like, you've got an English bar of a pub and it just looks like there's a black shadow literally standing behind the bar like someone's got one of those Halloween suits on that's all black. Do you know you can get those suits that you put on and they're just all one single colour from top to bottom. You get like orange and pink. Like a blue man. That's what I was looking for. That's the guy. He looks like he's wearing that, but it's all in black and it's absorbing everything. Black absorbs, isn't it? White reflects, black absorbs. I've got a theory about shadow figures. I've studied colour theory. I'm an art historian. I have a background and all my qualifications are in art history and colour theory. So colour reflects light, okay? I'm looking at red at the moment because it's reflecting that colour, that wavelength. Light is reflecting the colour. Does that make sense? So if we suddenly turned all the lights out in this studio, that red would go black because there's no light to reflect the colour. And the colour of the walls would be black and the colour of my soda would be black and the colour of your shirts would be black because it's reflecting light at different wavelengths. If there's no light to reflect the colour, then everything's black, right? So my theory is shadow figures, if they come from a different dimension, for example, wouldn't it not suggest that the dimension they're from doesn't let light through and that's why they're black because they're absorbed. there's no light to reflect the colour? So if they've used quantum physics, if they've used some sort of dark matter, if they've used a black hole or anything like that in quantum physics to come from a different dimension into ours, they would be shadow figures because light doesn't travel through dark matter. Light doesn't travel through black holes. Does that make sense? So they would appear as shadow figures from another dimension because the light's not come with them to reflect the colour. That's why they're black. Does all that make sense? I should give myself points. You lost me at I have an idea. I, I lost you <laughs> when I said count to 10 in French 25 minutes ago, if you recall. Heather, you have one last story for the round of Ghosts and Hauntings on I our love Halloween. Halloween special. Man fined $136 for cheating carpool lane using a zombie baby as a passenger. <laughs> a zombie baby? Yeah. Or like a toy one or a real one? A real baby? A real zombie. No. <laughs> I just dug it up and now it's helping me carpool. Yeah, another carpool lane violator strikes again, but this time with the undead. What if you're a Siamese twin? Could you get away with carpooling? Yes. I'm just saying, I'm just putting it out there. If you've got someone stuck to you, this is where we are. Oh, uh, yeah, I see where you're yeah, going. I see where I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Washington State Police tweeted a photo on Tuesday of a man traveling on Interstate 5 near Tacoma. Mashable says he was attempting to use the zombie baby as a passenger in the high occupancy vehicle lane or HOV lane. The Washington State Department of Transportation says motorists can use HOV lanes whenever there are two or more people, including the driver. Were they sure that he can't get away with that? I'm absolutely sure. What? 
are they positive? Are they HOV positive that he can't do that? Oh, you're terrible. Also, the definition of people is not limited by age or licensing status. While the WSDOT doesn't mention What's the if WSTO? Washington State Department of Transportation. Oh, I, I'm an idiot. Yes. Duh. Take away some points. Yes, you're on minus one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> While the WSDOT doesn't mention if zombies count as passengers, the man was ticketed and fined $136 for the antic. At least he's in the Halloween spirit. Trooper Guy Gill tweeted, I love all these names that's tonight. Fa- that's unbelievable. <laughs> I think they're anagrams. People are setting us up and we're saying things like bum cherries or something. It's like anagrams. Well, just so you know, they gave him a break for not having a car seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, like a child's car seat. <laughs> wow. Oh, good times. There is good times to be had. Greg has won himself an amazing amount of points because in the banter there and the fun and frivolity, that is more questions than answers. He's been hard at work in the background with his little army of elves. He's got a whole army of elves back there. Kim's story, I apologise. I said all Americans are mad. And murder lots of people over the Halloween period. They were indeed from Australia. Nice. I know they were Australian because there's no mad people in Australia, of course. Oh my God, I forgot. I and I didn't bring the story, but apparently this is what you could have had, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, this is what you could have had, and maybe I'll do it for another time. But they say that Australian accents. Here we go. Are there because they were drunken British people? Yes. Do you know they say, and that's why. I don't, yeah, absolutely. Like They're all slurred. We sent, yeah. Well, just like we sent all our criminals. This is why there's so many Australians in England at the moment, because criminals always go back to the scene of the crime. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We shipped them all out there. It was, you know, steal a loaf of bread and go blimey, mate, you know, and you're out there on your ship and you're off to Australia, you're off to Botany Bay, and it's like Struth, Cobber, and, you know, just lots of I couldn't believe really. that. They said it was because they were all drunk, and that's how they developed yes. the accent. Well, what now concerns me is every American I've ever met says straight off the bat to me, are you Australian? <laughs> so are they suggesting I sound drunk? What on earth? Unbelievable. Let's test that theory. No, let's not. We move into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. It's green men and it's hairy beasties. I will start this week's round. Mystery sea creature photo bombs Brit's picture on holiday in Corfu Sea Cave. A Scots tourist who took pictures of the sea was left in shock after he discovered a weird creature had photo bombed his holiday snaps. He held the camera over the side of the boat and took the pictures. So he never actually saw what he was taking a picture of. He just held the camera over the side of the boat and was taking pictures of the Why? sea. I have no idea. He's Scottish. Who knows? But when he lifted the camera, perhaps he was looking to see the Loch Ness Monster in Corfu that on its holidays. Be. But when he lifted his camera back up, Harvey discovered a mysterious creature had appeared in one of the frames. The odd creature, which resembles a type of dolphin, can be seen swimming in the water in his incredible snaps. It can only just be made out by the slightly blurry picture. It looks as though its eye could just be below the waterline. The sighting of the weird creature is similar to reports of the legendary Loch Ness Monster, believed to dwell in the highlands of Scotland. Harvey, 52, said, I have no idea what it could have been. I have never seen 
anything like it. Obviously, has an extensive knowledge of Mediterranean marine biology. I caught this picture by accident. I was in a sea cave on a small boat about 20 miles south of Albania on the west coast of Greece. I was trying to capture the watercolour, see, there you go, and was not looking at the water. The flash went off. I only saw the creature when looking back through my pictures. The creature that has so far been unable to be identified by experts evokes images of Greek mythology. It actually looks, it looks like a cross between a dolphin and a crocodile. Imagine a dolphin's skin, but with a crocodile's shape. That's where we're looking. You're mm-hmm. looking at me as if I'm mad. No, I've seen the Every picture. Every story I've read out, you're looking at me as no. if I'm making this stuff up. No, I saw that picture. I believe that one. Yes. If uh, perhaps the creature tried to get in the picture and uh, perhaps it was taken on porpoise. <laughs> I love this, this show. This is more trick than treat. <laughs> is a dolphin just a cross-dressing shark? Is it like an effeminate shark? Is a dolphin an effeminate shark is the question. There are indeed more questions than answers. If you wish to see a cross-dressing effeminate shark that looks like a cross between a dolphin and a crocodile, you need to go on our Facebook site. You need to go to more questions than answers with Adrian D. And you can see the strange cryptozoological. Oodological. How can you say I sound like an Australian? <laughs> I have to, to get, take the edge off the show. I've got to sit next to you and Kim for an hour. Of course, I've been drinking. What's wrong with you? Heather, what have you got tonight in the round of Hairy Beasties, Cryptozoology, and Minus Three? <laughs> How to hunt a Yeti according to the US government. Uh, so the know? government last week admitted that there are ghosts and hauntings because they said you have to declare it now when yes. you sell a house. And if they're putting information out now on how to kill a Yeti, the government's also decided that well, you, here's Yetis Here's the protocol. Exist. Oh, here's the protocol. Yep. Okay. You do like lists in this country, don't you? You like lists. Yes. Legend has it that an ape-like creature lurks in Mount Everest foothills feasting on sheep and yak. Some claim to have seen it, a critter with four legs and massive body hair that sometimes leaves a trail in the snow. No jokes. That's my dad. <laughs> and when you said it feasts on sheep and yak, I instantly thought, God, I really miss curries. <laughs> I did. First thing that came to my mind was, God, I miss a curry. Well, anyway. I'll have the yak curry. I'll have the uh, yak. Cory? The yak yeah. korma. <laughs> How'd you get a yak korma? You hit it over the head with a brick. Uh. The National Archives recently posted in 1959. Recently posted in 1959. There's an oxymoron. (laughs) The U.S. government memo issued from the American Embassy in Kathmandu, regulations governing mountain climbing expeditions in Nepal relating to the Yeti or Yeti. Return of the Yeti. Yeah. So here are some of the highlights. A permit fee must be obtained prior to a Yeti expedition. A A permit. A permit, yeah. The cost you know why, is, don't you? The cost. Here we go. This is this is where you get it. You're on. The cost is five thousand rupee, or nearly three dollars fifty seventy seven dollars to be paid to the Nepal government. I knew somewhere along the line the government would be putting some sort of protocol in place so they could take someone's money. It was glaringly well, the obvious. It's not that much though. It's like pocket change. Number two is hunters can photograph or catch a yeti, but not shoot or kill it. Unless in self-defense. I'm glad you got plenty of money sat there, Daddy Warbucks. I am. I, I got a seven-foot ghost. Mm. This is true. I can't deny it. All photographs taken of the animal, the creature itself, if captured alive or dead, must be surrendered to the government of Nepal at the earliest time, the memo stated. It has image rights. Yeah, they okay. have image rights. And number three, 
any evidence showing that a Yeti is real must be immediately turned over to Nepal. News and reports throwing light on the actual existence of the creature must be submitted to the government of Nepal as soon as they are available, it stated, and must not in any way be given out to the press or reporters for publicity without the permission of the government of Nepal. That's a long list. It, well, there's three things on there. That's what I'm saying. To tell you what you have to do <laughs> okay. if you find a Yeti. Three things. <laughs> you have to pay for a visa. It's got image rights, and you can only shoot it if it's coming at you with a bladed weapon. Yep. The chances of that are thin. What kind of Yeti <laughs> in a snowy environment is going to pose for a picture? It's going to come at you with a hoe or a garden rake. Oh, it's a scythe. Better shoot it. <laughs> Imagine you're laughing as it heads disappear and it's still coming towards you and you're reloading your gun. Yeti. I bet, I bet there's a dentist in Minnesota that's going to go out and shoot that now. Oh. Just saying. <laughs> that's too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Controversial. UFOs. UFO spotter who keeps tweeting Banky Moon. To warn about talking of strange names. What? That was a name? Banky Moon. I thought you were He's stuttering. the leader of the United Nations. And he actually, he actually, <laughs> the great thing about Banky Moon. Uh, go on. What do you want to call your son, Mr. and Mrs. Moon? Banky. Banky. What? I love the fact he succeeded a guy called Kofi Annan. It's like my favourite things. You like coffee and I like naans. It's perfect. The UFO spotter Scott Waring claims to have spotted everything from star destroyers to alien scorpions on the surface of Mars. Now it has emerged that the stargazer has tried to pass on his wacky observations to UN Secretary General Banky Moon. <laughs> Wow. Whatever. In his latest post for UFO Sightings Daily, Warren claimed to have identified a baby bear striding across the surface of the red planet. He was looking for porridge, apparently, but he also unveiled his ill-fated attempts to try and flag up his bizarre sightings to the UN chief, because Ban Ki-moon's got nothing better to do, has he, being the Secretary General of the United Nations. I did a stand-up gig once for the United Nations. Do you know they do corporate events? I did stand-up. I went in front of the entire United Nations and started my routine and said, so where are you from? And I only had a short time at the end to finish my, finish my script. I had two hours that took. I had five minutes at the end to tell a joke, and then I was off again. Just saying, waste of time. But he also revealed his ill-fated attempts to try and flag up his bizarre sightings to the UN chief. I often alert them about these amazing discoveries he's written. Sadly... Waring's attempts to contact the UN chief on Twitter have met with little success. The only reply came from someone running Ban Ki-moon's Twitter account, who asked Waring to send it to a UN account instead. As of yet, I have gotten only one answer, which was him, Ban Ki-moon, asking me to send it to the at UN account and not his at sec. Gen account, Waring confessed. Then another general at the UN followed me that same day. Apparently, he was worried that I was off my rocker. Well, they have absolutely nothing to worry about, do they? He's not planning to let this setback stand in the way of his mission to prove that midget mini Martians once lived on Mars alongside other species which left behind a UFO, a floating spoon, a space crab and a Martian version of Stonehenge, among many, many other things. Only if Martians are just playing jokes on us. Do you think they say, they say to their Martian friends, go down into the basement, find any old rubbish you can find. We'll stick it around the surface of the moon and we'll have a bit of fun. So they found a spoon, a baby buggy, 
They put a Christmas tree on there. <laughs> Colin brought a Christmas tree. A stuffed bear, apparently. A soccer ball. Cross-dressing dolphins. Anything they can find just to mess around with us. And then we're looking at all this stuff and thinking, wow, they're messing around. They're playing jokes. It's the contents of everyone's basement around this room, isn't it? Everyone in this room has a soccer ball in their basement, a spoon, a Christmas tree, and a cross-dressing dolphin. I think the Americans sent up Chuck Norris. That's why there's no life on Mars. Do you see what I'm saying? He did it all. Send up Chuck Morris. Chuck Morris. Chuck Morris. Yeah, I'm related to Chuck Morris. (laughs) You're related to Chuck Morris. (laughs) True enough. (laughs) And that's why there's no signs of life. On Mars. You heard it here. Because I'm related to Chuck Morris. (laughs) (laughs) Why, Miss Morris? Chuck Morris. (laughs) I'm going to have a kid named Chuck. (laughs) Not before the end of the show, you're not. (laughs) Fabulous. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and Chuck Norris? Dad learns that his twin brother, who was never born, is his son's father. Wow. (laughs) That sounds like he's come straight out of a trailer park in Texas. (laughs) Would your husband freak out if he took a paternity test for his own child and the result came back negative? Hang on a second. This is the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. It's as close as I could get for this one, and I had to read it. Fair enough. Go for it. (laughs) Probably. That's what happened to one couple, but it wasn't because the mom cheated. Thanks to a genetic abnormality, the man's son is actually his nephew. Wow. (laughs) Where is this? Um, it's not, not sure. We'll find out. Keep yeah. going. It'll make itself a I don't remember if it's in the story or not. Okay. An unnamed 34-year-old and his wife used a fertility clinic to get pregnant and had a healthy baby boy in 2014. After finding out that the baby's blood type matched neither of his parents, they did an at-home paternity test and were horrified to find out that the baby didn't belong to dad. Since they had some help conceiving the baby, their first assumption was that the clinic mixed up the sperm. I can't even imagine what they must have been feeling at that point. Mr. Mixed Up. They've knocked over the container, haven't they? They've knocked over mm-hmm. two beakers. There's a guy in the background with rubber gloves trying to get it off the table back into the beaker oh, no. by scraping it in. It's been mixed <laughs> up. I see what's happened. Obviously, they love the little guy and I'm sure wouldn't want to give him back, but it would be devastating to discover that your biological child isn't actually yours. They consulted with Barry Starr, a Stanford University geneticist, after the clinic assured them that there hadn't been a mix-up. The father and son took a more in-depth DNA test to check for ancestry and found out that he was actually his son's uncle. By the twin brother, he never knew he had. This is like, do you remember the program Soap back in the 1970s where they'd open up with a monologue? And that's Soap. You're too young, aren't you? Chuck yes. Norris. Chuck Norris is such Chuck Morris. Chuck Morris. <laughs> Chuck, there will be some Chucking Morris, I tell you. The moment we get outside, there'll be plenty of Chuck Morris. Don't you worry about that. Uh, it turns out that the dad is a human chimera, meaning he has more than one set of DNA. It happens wow. when one twin miscarries in the womb in the early stages of pregnancy, and the other fetus absorbs some of the genes. Does that mean you can then rob a bank, leave your DNA behind, and it might not be yours, even though you've yeah. left it behind. Yes, and I think it's I think it's Chimera. Chimera, Chimera. You yeah. say Chimera, I say Chimera. Yeah. Let's call it was the on, whole It was thing on a off. supernatural program. Once. That's where you're getting all your information from, isn't it? Yeah, I love History that show. Channel. Yeah, I, no, see I wasn't sure how to pronounce it actually, so I looked it up <laughs> I, on my phone yeah, I and think... I pronounced it the way my phone told me to. <laughs> yeah, so there. Uh, minus oh. three for you. Bowie. Bowie. <laughs> oh, same, madam. <laughs> Taco Bell, anybody? 
Uh, scientists believe the condition might, might not be as rare as we once thought since it usually goes unnoticed. But with advances in medical technology and both fertility treatments and genetic testing, it's popping up more than ever. I bet it is. <laughs> That's if crazy. you find yourself in a situation where you might be wondering how your child could have a blood genotype that could not possibly be formed from the parents' blood types, someone in your family just might be a chimera. Fabulous. <laughs> I've now been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother is still snoring from the room next door. I also want to mention before we continue into our round that is the strange and bizarre that we have an archive. Our archive is at soundcloud.com and if you type in MQTA radio you can hear all of our shows over the last three years. Our archives are three to four weeks behind but you can listen to that extra 20 to 25 minutes on there. The things we can't do live on air. They're very, very funny. We have other archives as well don't we where did you go this week was it stretcher stitcher i don't know what it's all called i'm it's still a halloweenus episode it is a halloweenus <laughs> episode i i can't keep up i can barely know at the moment how to turn the tv on and off i struggle just with the garage opening to be perfectly honest modern technology is passing <laughs> that's me. because you keep hitting a button and there is no opener <laughs> <laughs> wow i bet that was said on your honeymoon oh. but <laughs> You can go to iTunes. We are on, what's it called? Twitcher. Stitcher. Stitcher. That's Twitcher. The, that's the yes. one. It's Twitcher, on Twitcher. Stretcher. If you want to go to Stretching Twitcher, then that's the iTunes. place. iTunes. iTunes. SoundCloud. You can access us all over the internet in multiple places Formats. if you wish to do so. Yeah. Formats that will work. This is the round of the strange and of the bizarre. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and bizarre? Going along with the Halloweenus episode. Oh, my nose itches. That means a genie's going to appear, doesn't it? Or are you going to disappear or do something? Somebody's thinking about me. Or you've mm. just drunk some fizzy soda. That could be it. Or you've got a hairy nose. Okay, we'll <laughs> stick with the soda. Chewbacca is arrested for I driving Darth Vader to the polls. To the polls? Yeah. Who's going to vote, was he? Yes, Ukrainian police used the force when Chewbacca campaigned for the dark side. I drove Greg to the polls when you two ladies were out for the weekend. We had a bang-up time at Zippers there in Spirit Lake. <laughs> Great. Greg had to buy a new shirt. He got glitter on the other one. <laughs> Cops in Odessa wrestled with a man in a Wookiee costume and <laughs> fined him less than $8 Sunday for illegally campaigning and driving without a license after he dropped Darth Vader off at the polls. So he can fly the Millennium Falcon, but he can't drive around town in a car. Okay, yeah, because he doesn't have a license. God works in mysterious ways. They've done the Keppel run at three paces, but they've not managed to get out of the car and go to the polls. No, no. Shocking. Vader, who is running for mayor of Odessa under the Internet Party of Ukraine, told cops Chewbacca didn't need a license because the hairy beast is his pet and general servant. Nothing unusual here, just Chewbacca detained for being without documents while driving Darth Vader to the elections in Odessa, Ukraine police posted. Still, police accuse the Star Wars Wookiee wannabe of violating election laws, which forbid candidates and their supporters from campaigning on Election Day. Video showed mob of cops wrestle with Chewbacca outside the polling station as Darth Vader's theme music, the Imperial March, blasted in the background. The officers slammed him on the hood of the car, cuffed him, and hauled him off to jail. It's not clear if Vader ever cast his ballot. The man 
still in full chewy costume, appeared on court Monday and was fined 170 Hivera, about 750. Prepared the election polls. Prepare the voting papers. No, no, okay. it's not working. It's not Sorry. working. I rolled up. I rolled up the script. I had the I script in my hand specifically to do that. Yes, and it's it's not working. It's crinkling. It's, it's on crinkling. Your tash. Yes, on I do tash. have a tash at the moment. <laughs> I have. I am with tash at the moment. It's for the Halloween party tomorrow night. I mustache you a question. I've never ever. <laughs> And a moustache. I hate it. I look like I've just walked from the set of a 1970s porn film. It's yes, terrible. Yes, I can't bear it. True. It's the moment we do. Where there will be photographs posted of the Halloween party we're going to have at the St James Hotel tomorrow night. But the tash has been grown specifically for my costume. There is a reason. The tash is grown for a reason. Oh, good. If I if I just lean out the window of the car on the way there, it'll just blow away anyway. <laughs> it's going up my nose it's very itchy i don't like it it's coming off sunday morning promises i'm just saying <laughs> gone gone i might just grow a pencil mustache and see how we get on with that or maybe not <laughs> <laughs> welcome into the final round that is called not for your mother hurrah because it means you've accessed us on our archives we are no longer live on air, there is no longer a danger of being removed or getting a $10,000 fine. We can say whatever we want. That's a dangerous thing. The lunatics have taken over the asylum. I will start if your mother is comfortably snoring in the room next door and any small minors, people that are easily offended, have been removed and are no longer here. I have a story that says naked roller coaster rides sees thrill seekers strip off for a high speed fundraiser. Dozens of thrill seekers brave the cold weather to strip off and take part in a naked roller coaster ride to raise thousands of pounds for charity. The Guinness World Record was set in 2010 when 102 people rode the green scream at Adventure Island in South End without any clothes five years on and 57 people celebrated the world record by riding the attraction in the buff raising more than ten thousand pounds for south end hospital charitable foundation keyhole cancer appeal they have traveled from all over the uk including edinburgh newcastle and swindon to take part in the challenge anyone from edinburgh newcastle will be used to cold weather Adventure Island Operations Director Andrew Renton said it's been an absolutely superb day with people all enjoying the chance to do something memorable and for people to watch people doing something memorable <laughs> good fun and raise a large amount of money for a fantastic local charity I don't believe that would ever be allowed in this country if we went to Valley Fair and said we're all going to strip off and we're going to go on the roller coaster that would not be allowed I think this is very liberal Europe is where I we did are notice here. on the picture that um, the front cars were all taken by women. Yes, that is true. Yes, and <laughs> <We've>, <laughs> those newspapers. Have it got, wasn't a very exciting roller coaster. It was a. It's the best. It's, it's the best something. you're gonna get. It was a cross-dressing dolphin that looked like a crocodile. <laughs> is what it was. It looked like a kitty coaster. I'm. Well, what, what I'm going to go on to say here is the fact that you know I don't want. Let's face facts. The average naked person, generally speaking, doesn't look that attractive, is what I'm saying. Okay? This is where we are. Let's accept that as fact, shall we? I don't think I would want my twig and berries upside down experiencing 5Gs. Something could get dislocated. That's what I'm saying. I know it was a fairly 
mundane roller coaster ride. It's not going to do twists and corkscrews and loop the loop. I was going to say it's a bit like sex, isn't it? How do you a figure lot of, that? A lot of up and down only lasts about three minutes. <laughs> I don't know about you, Kim, but mine. <laughs> I'm experiencing upside down and 5G. I don't know about you. Wow. I could may- I could maybe associate with a lot of the screaming. <laughs> Anything you want to mention, Greg? No. Nope. Okay. Where was Greg when this was happening? You, the doctor said to Kim. I usually have to go on by myself. Okay, we're we're learning a lot about you tonight. Didn't the doctor tell you, Kim, that you should tell your husband every time you have an orgasm? And you said you're not going to ring him at that time of the night. (laughs) Doing a lot of combining recently, Greg. I believe. The thing is, I don't want to be upside down and experiencing. (laughs) I could dislocate something. Do you see what I'm saying? No. If you're going around those corners and doing those twists and you're naked, that's going to hurt, isn't it? You could be slapping the person sat next to you. You, she, you they, only wish. Oh, hang on. There we, we're, <laughs> we're going around the corner. Hang on. You could get around that and the poor woman next to you has got a mushroom stamp where you've gone around the roller coaster naked. You're going around. She's clinging on for dear life. Ah! Right on your forehead. There you go. I'm just saying that could happen. Isn't that painful for women? It's painful for women anyway. Upside down and, you know. Sideways. That's right. That would be difficult, wouldn't it? Anyway, if people wish to see this roller coaster full of naked men and women, and granted the first five rows are women, but their nipples have been digitized. (laughs) But if you squint, you can kind of make it out. Um, You can go to our Facebook site, (sighs) More Questions Than Answers, with Adrian Lee. I know this fairground very, very well. This is the Adventure Park in South End. If you're looking at me, if both you ladies care to look at me now, I've got my moustache, you will see a scar under my nose where the hair doesn't grow. When I was five years old, there are steps at South End, which is on the coast of Essex. My grandmother's sister lived there, so we used to go and visit my grandmother's sister. She used to live on a place called Electric Avenue. It was fabulous. I don't know why it was called that. Perhaps it was the first place in Essex. Was it the song? Well, this is it. We used to sing it. We're going to go down to Electric Avenue. Eddie Grant. Eddie Grant. I don't want to dance. I used to dance to that at the school discos when I was 12. Do you know when you're 12 years old and it's the smell of biactyl and you've real creamed your hair back and you've put some old spice on and you're going out with your stay pressed trousers and a galini top on in East London? Like what you looked like last week. That's pretty much where we are. I haven't aged a bit. You go there. This is I Don't Want to Dance. Eddie Grant, 1982, I think, 83, somewhere along there. You're dancing with the girl you fancy that you sit next to in math. You know, you've got a mini Mars bar pressing into a belly button. I'm just saying, I don't want to dance. Anyway, Electric Avenue. There were steps leading down to the fun fair. And I ran down those steps because I was excited as a small five, six-year-old boy to get to the fun fair. And I fell down the steps and I split my nose open and I cut on my lip mm. open, which is why I've got a scar underneath my nose from this particular funfair. That's all I'm saying. And I was with my grandmother at the time and I stood up and I had a face like Freddy Krueger. My grandmother had to have a brandy. She drank brandy that day. First time I ever saw her drink because she had to take me back to my parents. And I had a face like Freddy Krueger. It was all, you know, covered in grazies and scabs and half my nose was hanging off. Just Aww. saying. It must have been really bad for my grandmother to say, here's your son back. Sorry about his face. 
I'm sure if he drinks through one of them curly straws, he'll bring some he muscle back. He fell down. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. He fell down <laughs> twice. Don't make me tell you again. Shocking episode. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? I have an artist story. Mm-hmm. And it's very fun. An artist actually creates X-rated Braille book for the blind. <laughs> wow. Do you know what they I bought? I wouldn't think you'd <laughs> need to. It's <laughs> a blind date. Do you know what they bought Stevie Wonder for his birthday? A cheese grater. He says it was the best book he's ever read. It's too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Everybody deserves to um, get off to graphic images, even the visually impaired. That was what Swedish artist Nina Lindy, now 33, thought when she visited Stockholm's Braille Library a few years ago and couldn't find anything X-rated. Oh. Her solution, a saucy Braille book for the blind. I don't get it. Fifty Shades of Black. (laughs) Uh, Just don't call it porn. The book is about sexual stimulation. I don't think porn is the right word, Lindy told Sweden's The Local. And sexual stimulation is for everyone. Lindy says she became fascinated by the sex lives of the visually impaired as a student when she watched a man cross the street in Chile. Hang on a second. Yeah, I've seen that video too. (laughs) They say it makes you go blind, to be fair. (laughs) After mentioning she was from Sweden, the guy cracked a joke about the Nordic liberal approach to sex. This realization that he had these thoughts, even though he was blind, made me curious about how blind people's sexuality is being discussed in society, she explained to the local. The book features images of gay, lesbian, and group sex acts, plus things catering to a more mainstream taste. First unveiled in 2010, a copy is now available to be checked out in the Kungligla. You're making words up. We can't say words like that. We can still be. You're trying to say library in Swedish, aren't you? Uh, Would you like here? Oh, here we go. Yeah. Kungliglia. Caligula. It's the Caligula Bibliotheca. It's in Stockholm. It's in Stockholm. It's the library in Stockholm. The Caligula Library. Uh, Maybe give it a wipe down before reading it. (laughs) Do you think it's vinyl? Each page is like wiped clean. I don't understand. How do you do that? What do you mean how do you do that? Wipe it clean, you mean? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well. Something you'd like to share, Kim? (laughs) Wow. I don't understand. Why didn't have, you understand? Braille is sex acts. I, I don't, think it's uh, it's, it's a picture a, book. It it's, says a it's a picture book, book is it? <laughs> yeah. We should turn the lights off and see what <laughs> develops. <laughs> it's a hard read. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I went to the local library and asked for a book on tortoises. Tortoises? <laughs> Turtles and tortoises. <laughs> she said hardback. I said yes, and they poke their little heads out and lay eggs on the beach. <laughs> Now, Kim, <laughs> what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Well, the round is not for your mother, but this might be. I have no clue. This is all quiz to me. Japanese Jessie. company to sell world's first bowel movement sensor timer. <laughs> oh, time's up. Yours is about eight in the morning, isn't it? It is, but I don't get up to <laughs> half past eight. <laughs> you feel like going but can't tell when? Can no. happen to anyone. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> if you are sound and healthy, you only go as nature calls you. But for those not sound enough to cope with foul bowel movement, this is a serious matter. What's a foul bowel movement? It's when I it comes unexpected. 
It's like, you know, hello, madam, what a lovely blouse you're... <laughs> oh, excuse me, I'm just going to have to go. <laughs> Bear with me. Here's a piece of wonderful news for those who have trouble controlling bowel movement or are on diapers. There. A venture company in Tokyo, Triple W Japan, has be- has come up with a wearable excretion forecast device called DeFree that tells you how many minutes after your bowel movement is coming. You've got 30 seconds. Can you imagine? You're go, on a, go, go, you're, go. You're, you're, you're on a commuter train <laughs> in the rush hour. You've got 29, 28. 27 you're opening oh, up your no. you're opening up your briefcase at this point how does you? it alert you does it give you a little beep or does it say find toilet now i think you just swallow a glass eye and see what it develops. will tell us in a minute Ooh. uh d first size d free is 35 millimeters by 53 millimeters by eight millimeters in size it's a i don't bum. understand you those. push it up Mounting an ultrasonic sensor that reacts to certain characteristic movements inside the intestines prior to approaching bowel movement <laughs> You're down to 15 seconds. The device statistically analyzes the data and pre-collected data on excretion time to determine the timing of excretion and urination. I'd like to, <laughs> I would like that even though I have no issue. I would like that. It would be fun for a Why? day. Wouldn't it be great if it spoke like Stephen Hawking's in a mechanical voice and you're out of your yeah. friends he goes, "You have 1 minute 32 seconds." Tell touchdown. And you yes. <laughs> And then you accidentally lose it at the bank, and they think it's a bomb. Oh, no. I was thinking it tells you you've got a minute and 32 seconds, and your friends pin you down. Oh, that's terrible. God. I'd lock all the car doors so you couldn't get out. You've got a cup holder. That'll do it. That's evil. Good times. Here we go. If connected to a smartphone, the data will show on the screen. I'm not sticking my phone up there. I'll draw the line at that. Hmm, 70% filled now. Bowel movement coming in 10 minutes, etc. <laughs> we were right. We got it right. High five. The development was contributed by Dr. Toshinoro Nori Yamakawa, head of surgical department of Shiratori Hospital, Kagawa. Brilliant points just for that, to be honest. And excretion care experts of the Japan Continence Action Society. Wow. Had to say that. Wow. Data shows over 4.3 million people have trouble. D-free is definitely an encouraging answer to those who are constantly on diapers or can't go out for fear of excretion. Wow. The company plans deliveries in April next year. Deliveries. It's a boy. <laughs> That's wrong. I have a story here that says vagina dress takes internet by storm after husband compares design on wife's 100-pound outfit to female anatomy. A summer dress has garnered huge attention online, but not for its sartorial elegance. The dress from Australian designer Wayne Cooper's Wayne label has become what was that? Wayne Cooper. Oh, I thought you said Wang. Wang Cooper. <laughs> Who's Wang Cooper? Is that some sort of bold star? Like, like Vera Wang. Featuring Wang Cooper. Apparently has a label called Wayne Label. Has become the object of internet ridicule after commentators pointed out that the outfit's design bears more than a passing resemblance to female genitalia. The trouble with the vagina dress is it does catch the fluff, doesn't it? You're going to need a lint roller. Do you see what I'm saying? Aussie blogger School Mum first published a photo of the dress on Sunday alongside the caption, So I bought this dress today from Maya because I really liked it. I got home. Blue or gold? Blue or gold. Pink is where we are with a hint of red. 
I was remembering that dress that some people saw blue and some people... Oh, gotcha. Yes, but I've never looked at a vagina and thought blue or gold, to be perfectly honest. I got home... Don't get out much, do you? (laughs) You should see what I had. I don't need to. I can lay in bed. It's all online. (laughs) I got home and put it on for the hubby. Any guesses, the first thing he said. Then he added... He's apparently... He's got twitter sites for this now he's got hashtag dress foul and hashtag once you see it you can't unsee it the post quickly gathered attention and went viral and soon sparked a host of other women who had purchased the dress sharing pictures of themselves donning the vagina print many social media users have also taken to making jokes and using puns about the frock with one woman asking riley is that a vagina dress? Oops, I meant designer dress. It's not her best material, is it, to be fair? Another joked, I tried it on with my 15-year-old daughter in the changing room. She burst out laughing and said, take it off, Mum. The dress retails for $219 in Australia, which translates to roughly $160. On the quality designer's website, the dress, which is described as Sahara print, comes with a mm-hmm. caption... Embrace confidence and modern glamour. I'm sure you'll be the talk of the town and it will be on everybody's lips. If you wish to see Uh, the vagina print dress, it is currently on our Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee and you can look it straight in the eye and see for yourself. It does look like a vajayjay. It looks like a vajayjay and people are going around wearing this apparently. Heather, you have the privilege of running in the last story. There's just three seconds on the clock with full inches. We need to get into the end zone. What have you got for me? I'm going to help you with your Christmas shopping. It's coming round the corner, isn't it? It is. Two months. Here's what this man got in the mail after ordering... A penis enlarger online. It's not mine, man. It's just not mine. It's not my bag. <laughs> One penis pump with Austin Powers written on it. I've never seen that before. It's just not my bag, man. <laughs> a Malaysian man who ordered a penis enlarger online was shocked when he received a magnifying glass in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well. Instantly that wouldn't up. be fraud. He got what he, he paid for. What he he paid, paid for. <laughs> wow. The chairman of Malaysia's Customer Complaints Bureau, Siri Michael Chong, reported that the man was just one in many to fall victim to recent online scams. Under those circumstances, you might as well just find a girl with small hands. <laughs> As you can imagine, Chong said he's feeling rather disgruntled. The thing is, you're not going to complain, are you? You can't. That's right. Yeah. Because not only that, but if you've got, you know, small, if you've got the berries, but a very small twig and you fall for that kind of scam, you're hardly likely to kick up a fuss, are you? And have your well, name spread all over did. the internet. He did. Well, good for him. Yes. Chong argued that men and women are equally vulnerable to the scams. He also noted that $25,000 has been lost so far this year due to false online purchases chong warned that scammers often sell their items at low prices and that customers often never receive the item but at least you you're right kim he received the item and it did look bigger (laughs) and it did look bigger yes times five (laughs) the malaysian man has not revealed where he purchased the item from which lawyer Alex Cock described Hang as on. difficult. Hang on. Isn't that, his lawyer for this is called Alex Cock. Yes. This K- is my- K-O-K. Okay. Alex Cock. Yes. Okay. Just yes. checking. He noted that. 
We've had some fabulous names I, in this can't, podcast. You can't sue someone for getting a, a penis enlarger. And then they got a magnifying glass. And have an attorney called Alex Cock. That is, yes, it's his lawyer. What's the judge called? Billy Dick. <laughs> Willie. Colin Willie. <laughs> he noted that a lawsuit can be even more taxing if there are no receipts. We wouldn't know who to sue or where and how to sue them, Cock said. Fabulous. And we've scored <laughs> a touchdown. <laughs> Hurrah! But all good things must come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores. In last place, with the dead battery in the K2 meter, it is Heather, who managed to scramble her way to minus six. Why are you what? looking at me like that for? How is that possible? It was fabulous tonight. I know. It's remarkable it wasn't <laughs> minus ten. Unbelievable. In joint second place, Kim and myself have four points each. But in every splendid first place with a $33,000 IR camera, it's Greg on six who managed to look up Australia Whilst on the soundboard. Who said men? I thought you were going to say whilst on the sauce. <laughs> whilst managed to look up Australia and operate the soundboard whilst on the sauce. <laughs> who, who said men can't multitask? I know women can multitask because they'll say one thing and do another. <laughs> do not fear, listener. We will be back. <laughs> next week with a whole new bunch of racism and sexism at the same time and i would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of cross-dressing dolphins the strange if people are just tuning in they're going to wonder what on earth we've been doing for the last hour this is what happens when we're unsupervised this is like the breakfast club but just for an hour in a radio station it's great strange intriguing bizarre and weird please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me at any time via my facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee you can also follow me on twitter with adrian underscore lee underscore tips and you can now access our archives on soundcloud if you type in mq ta radio you will find an extra 20 to 25 minutes of all of our shows the dvd extras the round that is called not for your mother. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Tom Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, and all at the International Paranormal Society at paranormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. We're all off to enjoy ourselves at the St. James Hotel in Red Wing, Minnesota. Remember, if you want a spooky, fun, intriguing, evidence-laden Halloween read, my book is available now. It's called Mysterious Minnesota, Digging Up the Ghostly Past at 13 Haunted Sites. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening. Have a fabulous and wonderful Halloween. And remember, be interested and interesting. Good night.